0: Well, it has been a frustrating, frustrating, frustrating first month of the season for the Gonzaga Bulldogs after losing a very winnable game against the Baylor Bears on Friday. We look at what went wrong and what needs to change for this team to right the ship by March. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Yeah, so that was a really, really tough one on Friday. The Zags, of course, now five and three on the season after falling to the Baylor Bears, 64 to 63 on Friday in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's different than Gonzaga's other two losses in some good ways, in some bad ways, but ultimately another just frustrating, frustrating performance from this team. It's been, it's getting more difficult to watch. I don't think there's anybody who has been watching this team lately who has the same level of optimism as they did at the beginning of the season. I am an inherently optimistic person. Many of you have criticized that many of you love that. Uh, I'm going to remain optimistic. This first segment, we're going to talk about the bad and the good. We're going to finish on a high note because there were plenty of positives from this Baylor game, plenty of things that Gonzaga can take forward to be more successful in March. But that was a really frustrating game. The, the officiating was frustrating. The officiating down the stretch was particularly frustrating. Drew Timmy having another, challenging start to the game I want to kind of start there because this team is not equipped for Drew Timmy to have bad games and that's not Drew's fault to be clear and it's not even necessarily roster construction issues Gonzaga brought back two players who were big parts of what they did last year in Julian Strother and Rasier Bolton both those guys really really struggled against Baylor when when Drew has a bad game you need your other players to step up Drew has a bad game the other players don't step up You're going to have a hard time beating anybody. The fact that they were within a point of defeating Baylor with that situation, with the under, with Julian Strath, the Rissier Bolton and Drew Timmy, all not playing particularly good. That is a bit of an optimistic thing. It's a bit of a positive. It's the kind of stuff that maybe helps this team down the line, helps them be in a better position to win close games when they get into March, when they get into those kind of situations. But at the end of the day, It was still a loss. This team still only mustered 63 points. Fantastic that they held Baylor to 64 points, but we're talking about 18 turnovers. Really, there's just not an offensive identity. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this first month of the season. And first it was, you know, it's hard to find your identity in a game like the Michigan State game on an aircraft carrier. You know, you kind of throw that out the window. Texas played out of their mind good. True road environment. Yeah, that's a really tricky one. Purdue-Gonzaga's offensive identity wasn't necessarily the issue, but they just kept... Get, they couldn't They couldn't close the gap, They or they would close the gap and then Purdue would just continue to open it again. But throughout the season, even in games that Gonzaga has won, like the game against Xavier, even in the games that they have played well, like Portland State, like the offensive identity just isn't quite there. They're trying to get the ball to Drew Timmy. You know that that's a big part of what they're trying to do, and teams have figured that out. Teams have figured out how to prevent them from doing that, and Gonzaga doesn't have a go-to playmaker like Andrew Nempard. They don't have another clear-cut offensive threat the way that chad Holmgren was a true triple threat a player you can get the ball to right under the basket and he's going to score 80 percent of the time you can get the ball to him you know 20 feet away from the basket he's gonna score 40 percent of the time they don't have a player on this roster like that certainly they don't have a player like that consistently i think julian Strather can be a player like that he can be a guy who can score efficiently around the rim and score well from beyond the arc but he hasn't done that consistently he's had good games he's had bad games and we just haven't seen that kind of consistent threat from him. That's the that to me that's a big part of it. Drew to me scoring 9 points, having 5 rebounds, taking 6 shots is obviously the biggest issue. And at the end of the day, the improvements that Gonzaga can and likely will make Nolan Hickman's continued improvement, Malachi Smith stepping up, Ben Gregg, Anton Watson having nice seasons, presumed consistency improvements from Julian Strother, Rasier Bolton. All of that is great and probably to some extent will happen, but none of it matters. None of it matters if this team cannot figure out how to get Drew Timmy the ball consistently. That's it. Plain and simple. If they cannot get him the ball in positions to score consistently, they will not be close to the potential that this team has. That's it. We're seeing it with North Carolina, who's struggling to figure out how to get Armando Baycott the ball in situations to score. And look, North Carolina is not going to be ranked. I mean, the first team to fall out of the AP top 25 this early in a season after being ranked number one of all time. And part of their issue is struggling to figure out how to get their big men the ball. It's part of a larger conversation that can and likely will be had about the kind of Pendulum swinging in college basketball. There's been so many dominant low post scores. Look at this year's kind of presumed national player of the year candidates. Now Zach Eady has stepped into that conversation, but preseason, it was Oscar Shibway, Drew Timmy, Hunter Dickinson, Armando Baycott, Trace Jackson Davis, all big, sturdy, low post scores who don't have much of an offensive game, or excuse me, a, a outside shooting game, great offensive game, just not great anywhere around the, except around the rim. Teams are figuring out that, hey, we have to figure out how to stop that kind of player because otherwise they're just going to dominate, and they have, and they've continued to do so, but teams are starting to figure out, put a ton of pressure on the guards, prevent them from getting the ball down low, or force them to take shots. Force the other players on the team that aren't Drew Timmy or Baycott or whomever to take shots. Teams are doing that against Gonzaga, and it is working. Drew Timmy didn't make a field goal in the first half of this game. There are a lot of teams that beat Gonzaga if Drew Timmy doesn't make a field goal in the first half. Baylor barely did because frankly, they didn't look all that good. And I think that's another frustrating part of this game is that Texas played the best game of their season, almost guaranteed. No discredit to Texas. They are a top three team in the country, top one team, arguably. I think there's a very legitimate argument for them right at the top after beating Creighton, but they played out of their minds at the Moody Center to begin the season. Purdue played better than they have played most of the year. Purdue's a very good team, but their guards in particular played really, really good. Baylor did not play well. It is hard to lose a game to a team that didn't play well. That is frustrating, and there is some credit that Gonzaga deserved. Their defensive e- energy, effort, toughness was there, was present. That was something that didn't really show up when they played Baylor a couple of years ago. Of course, very different teams now. Many, you know, tons of turnover on the roster, but by and large, this team came out and matched them physically and matched them toughness. Was crashed the offensive glass, gave themselves opportunities to score second chance points, but they just the, the lack of an offensive identity, the inability to get Drew consistently going on offense really buried them factoring in, you know, six of 22 from deep, 27% there, 13 of 21 from the free throw line. When you lose a game by one point and you give away eight free throws, that is really, really devastating. Uh, and then kind of the last bad point before segueing into the good is Nolan Hickman, because he had a little bit of both. Uh, Nolan Hickman went o- o for eight from the field o for four from deep objectively. When your starting point guard doesn't score, it is a bad thing. It is hard to look at that any other way. But transitioning to some of the good things, Hickman also had eight assists and three turnovers. Three turnovers, not great, but considering Gonzaga's turnover issues as a whole, having five more assists than turnovers in a game that Gonzaga, by and large, struggled to to generate anything offensively is a good sign. We are seeing Nolan Hickman continue to improve, continue to get better. Is he going to be ready to lead the charge in March? It remains to be seen. But games like this, even though the stat line is pretty ugly and that 0 for 8 really stands out in a game Gonzaga lost by one, I think you are seeing him continue to improve and get ready and be more prepared to be that guy in March. Beyond that, huge game from Malachi Smith. Needs to be celebrated. I know it's hard to celebrate a lot after a third loss this early in the season. But for the amount I have said it on the podcast, many other people have discussed this. Malachi Smith. It was only really playing well against not good opponents. We hadn't seen him show up against a good quality team. He did it. 28 minutes led the team. 16 points led the team. 5 of 11 from the field. Not great, but also not terrible. 5 of 6 from the free throw line in the game. Gonzaga really struggled at the line. Malachi Smith also only had one turnover. 28 minutes, one turnover against a tough, physical, athletic Baylor team. The concerns about can Malachi Smith play up against good teams are buried for now. Yes, Malachi Smith can play up against good teams. He can be Gonzaga's most productive guard against a team like Baylor. That is a hugely important piece of information for Gonzaga to have going forward. He needed to be that guy because Rasir Bolton had a horrendous game. Six turnovers, eight points for Bolton. That cannot happen. I do not think that will continue to happen, but the fact that Malachi could step in and be that guy in this game is really critical for the Zags. And then of course, Anton Watson, Ben Gregg, 13 and 13 for Watson. He had six offensive rebounds, three steals and a block. Tremendous performance from him. He missed five free throws, which is very detrimental to this team. I don't want to just harp only on the positives for him, but by and large, he was a big part of the reason Gonzaga remained in this game. Ben Gregg, five points, two boards, two steals in 17 minutes. Yeah, he had three fouls, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I am okay with this performance from Ben. I think we are seeing him since that Purdue game. We have seen him blossom into the best version of Ben that we have ever seen, and and frankly, as good of a version of Ben as I thought we might ever see, uh, certainly at least this season. So for him to be that guy in December, very critical for the Zags going forward. Well, there's not really any time to dwell for the Bulldogs. They take on a sneakily dangerous Kent State team in their first home game since the season opener. More on that contest, but first, I want to tell you all about Omaha Steaks. The holidays are around the corner, and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. I've had relatives send the Omaha Steaks for a few years now, and it is a great way to keep the freezer stocked with quality meat for the next few months. I know you all have relatives you want to help out this holiday season, and Omaha Steaks is without a doubt the way to go. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breast, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code COLLEGE, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers for free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com, and you'll get eight free burgers when entering the code COLLEGE. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed omahastakes.com keyword college. All right, segment two. Still any patents? Still. Locked On Zags, I want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day, especially after a frustrating loss like that one against Baylor. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, like I said, no time to dwell. The Zags are moving on Monday night, 6 p.m., McCarthy Athletic Center, they take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. It is their first home game since the opener, November 7th, against North Florida. It is wild to me that Malachi Smith and Efton Reed have only played one home game. I I was not, not able to go find this information, but I cannot imagine there have been many seasons where Their second home game of the season was nearly a month in, but Gonzaga has, of course, played a rigorous non-conference schedule. They've had their neutral site games. They, of course, had the MTE in Portland. Uh, We've seen this team really challenge themselves by playing a lot of road games, a lot of games away from home, a lot of really challenging opponents. The hope, the expectation is that that is going to help prepare this team better for March, but now they get a nice little stretch of home games. They get this game here against Kent State, Washington later in the week, Northern Illinois later next week before they travel down to Birmingham to play Alabama. So a little bit of a chance to kind of right the ship, to set things up a little bit, get more comfortable at home, play some of those games, get the crowd back involved, all of that good stuff. This is also the Kelly Olenek jersey hanging ceremony. Very excited for that as a person who was at Gonzaga. Every single year that Kelly Olenek was at Gonzaga, he was one of my favorite players to watch. His development, his growth, his explosion as a senior, and what what that season ended up becoming because of him was a turning point in Gonzaga's program and, and something that personally means a lot to me so I'm very excited to see this ceremony happen but after that the Zags got to go win themselves a basketball game and they're not playing a particularly easy team this Golden Flashes team is tough they are six and two on the year their only losses are to number one overall Houston who they lost to by five points they held the Houston Cougars to 49 points Houston is not a particularly elite offensive team and of course Kent State themselves only managed 44 points in that game but regardless that is not a bad loss for kent state at all their other losses to charleston another very very good team one of the best mid-major teams in the entire country they lost that game by 274 to 72. they don't have any super elite wins their best win is actually against Shantae Leggins and the portland pilots who are 107th in kenpom as of this conversation the golden flashes themselves are 72nd so this is not your typical bye game this is not with no disrespect, this is not Northern Arizona or Alcorn State or Chicago State or any of those programs. This is a top 75 team in the country per Ken Palm. Teams close to them in the eight or in the Ken Palm rankings, Cincinnati, Wake Forest, BYU, Washington State, New Mexico, Butler. That's kind of the range of teams that we're talking about with this Kent State team. Per Ken Palm, once again, offensively, they are 104th in the country. Defensively, they are 53rd. So this is a borderline top 50 defense in the entire country. And per tempo, they are 54th. We'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show and how that could play out in this game. But by and large, this is a a dangerous, scary team that has some skills that tend to match up with some of Gonzaga's weaknesses. For example, Kent State forces 20 turnovers a game. That's second in the NCAA. They are the second best team in the entire NCAA at forcing turnovers. You do not need me to explain to you why that is scary for Gonzaga, a team that coughs the ball up just about as much as anybody in the country, a team that hasn't found much of an offensive identity. I'm going to quote uh, Keith Benes from the Slipper Still Fits, who said that Gonzaga's only offensive identity right now is turning the ball over. That is their consistent offensive identity, playing a team that turns the ball over a lot. That's a little bit scary. Now, there are some other things about Kent State that, can ease our minds a little bit. They're not a great offensive team. They are uh, they are shooting 36% from deep, so they can get hot from beyond the arc, but they're only 43.5% from the field overall. They don't have a ton of size. That is pretty common with smaller mid-major programs they don't tend to have a lot of elite big men up front. Their starting center is Cleeron Hornbreak. He is six foot nine. He's playing about 20 minutes per game, but he's also averaging about three fouls per game Good rebounder, good score, about 7.7 boards per game. Uh, but the kind of guy that I think Drew Timmy, if if the Zags can find ways to consistently get him the rock, is somebody that he should be able to take care of and, and do well offensively and defensively against him. But of course, Gonzaga needs to be able to find ways to make sure Drew Timmy's in positions to do what he does best. In terms of who to look out for on the Golden Flashes, Sincere Carry is one of the best mid-major guards in the entire country. On the season so far, he's averaging 19 points, 5 assists, 3.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists per game. He has been really, really difficult. He is uh, absolutely harasses opposing point guards defensively. If he is tasked with guarding Nolan Hickman, that is going to make Nolan's job particularly difficult. He, is, he puts a lot of pressure. He's big. He's physical. He can really harass you at the point of attack. Uh, that's going to be a big thing to watch for uh, in this game for this team. Well, the Golden Plashes have... Proven that they can play spoiler this season for the Zags to avoid another crippling loss. Here are five keys to victory. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. SimpliSafe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. That is the third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology exclusively from Safe, to capture critical evidence and verify that a threat is real so that you can get priority police response. With top-rated Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There is no safe like Simply Safe. All right, segment three. Still any patents, still locked on zags, still focused on Monday night's game at the McCarthy Athletic Center against the Kent State Golden Flashes, a top 75 team per Ken Palm. Not your typical easy game for Gonzaga on the schedule. They did not give themselves very many of those contests this season. This is going to be a grind-it-out contest for the Zags against a good defensive team, team that likes to, to force turnovers. And that's what I want to talk about here is the five keys to a Gonzaga victory. Number one, simple. You've got to take care of the basketball. This is not going to be easy in this game. Sincere carry, like I said, three steals per game. I believe, yes, uh, Kent State, 11 and a half steals per game. They, they're one of the best teams in the entire country at getting steals. They come out, they, they pressure opposing guards, poke the ball away, get out in transition, score a lot of buckets that way. If, Gonzaga's, if Gonzaga cannot take care of the basketball, if we're looking at another game where there are 18 to 20 turnovers, This game is going to be a lot closer than it needs to be. I believe Gonzaga is going to be able to play good enough defense on Kent State to hold them to a score that Gonzaga should be able to top. Let's put it that way. I don't think we're going to see Gonzaga get out into the 80-90 range that we've seen them do in previous games, particularly against opponents like this. But I don't think that they're going to even need to score more than, say, 65 points to pull out a victory in this one. I think they'll probably score more than that. But ultimately, it's one of those games where, taking care of the basketball has been a challenge for the Zags all year long. That is not a secret. It is one of the most openly known things about this Gonzaga basketball team so far this season. You can bet that Kent State has watched tape of every game. They know what frustrates Gonzaga. They know what causes them to turn the basketball over. They're going to come out there and try to do that. This is going to be a big game in particular for Nolan Hickman to take good care of the basketball, to get Gonzaga into their offensive sets, to control the pace of the game and not let Kent State's guards frustrate them early on and force them into unnecessary turnovers. Next up, obviously a big key for this game, a bounce back from Drew Timmy. It's pretty darn rare for Drew Timmy to have two bad games in a row. If Gonzaga can get him the basketball, and that's the key, that's the key right there. If Gonzaga can get him the basketball, he's going to have himself a good game. I think that even through double teams, he'll be passing out. Single coverage, he's going to go to work. I I expect a big game from Drew Timmy. He does not like not being the guy. He does not like having situations where he is the reason that Gonzaga didn't play well. There's a lot of reasons that Gonzaga lost to Baylor. Drew Timmy was not necessarily the biggest culprit. Him only taking six shots was a problem, but not necessarily his fault, but I can guarantee you that he is mad. He is pissed and he's going to come out and drop a bunch of points, assuming Gonzaga can get him the basketball. Kent State knows that they can't match up with Drew Timmy one-on-one on the block. They're not stupid. They understand that. They're probably going to send double teams at him as soon as they possibly can, and that's probably the right thing to do. But the best strategy to beat Gonzaga is not let them get the ball to Drew Timmy, and you can bet they're going to be doing that a lot. Pressure at the top of the key, forcing Gonzaga's guards to get rid of the basketball, uh, forcing probably Anton Watson to make a lot of those entry passes from the top of the key, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't give Drew as much opportunity to fight for different angles on the block and getting the ball in better positions to score. So if, if Gonzaga can find ways to get Drew the ball, and maybe it's as simple as getting the ball really early in the shot clock or even 26, 27 feet away from the rim and just let him go to work from there, if that's what they need to do, That's what they're going to do. They don't have a lot of turnaround between Baylor and now. They don't have a lot of time to really perfect anything or work on stuff. So if they just need to figure out, hey, we're just going to give the Drew the ball as soon as possible, that may be the recipe for success in this one. Key number three, this could realistically be the full-on Ben Gregg breakout game. We've been close. We've been very close with some Ben Gregg breakout performances. We saw 17 very productive minutes against Baylor. Of course, he was fantastic against Purdue in the second half. He was really good against Xavier. We can call those breakout games, and certainly they were. But this is a game where I think he could really, really shine. He gets to show off at home. He hasn't really gotten to do this at home. At, he did get to do it at his home, to be clear, against Purdue and Xavier. That was in Portland, where he is from. Much, Many of his family, friends, et cetera, were in the crowd for that one. But getting to come back to the kennel, play there for the first time as like a really significant member of Gonzaga's rotation uh, against a team that doesn't have a ton of size and physicality, I could see Ben having a really, really productive game ideally part of the reason it happens is because Gonzaga gets out to a big enough lead that in the second half he can play the final eight to ten minutes of the game because Drew Timmy is sitting or resting for most of that time and we can kind of get to see him really Ben Gregg could easily challenge for 15 18 20 points in the game uh, hit three or four threes do some good stuff down low block a few shots all that stuff that we've kind of seen glimpses of and we've seen glimpses of this against Zach Eady at Purdue against really good bigs at Xavier against really good team in Baylor. So seeing him get an opportunity to play and be a key part of the rotation against a team that doesn't have the horses that those team have really interested to see how that looks was. We know that Ben was kind of playing up against those teams, but can he continue to play at that level, even against a caliber of opponent that's a little lower than that? And again, Kent state is not a bad team, not by any stretch of the imagination. Are they a bad team, but they don't have the, the overall, talent in the front court that those other teams do. So how Ben reacts to that is going to be a really interesting thing that I'm going to be watching for in this game. I'm not sure how significant it'll be towards the total of this game, because I think Gonzaga is going to ride the heck out of Drew Timmy in this one as much as they possibly can. But it is something I'm going to be watching for because the emergence of Ben Gregg has been a really key part of this kind of rough stretch of games for Gonzaga in the last couple of weeks. Number four, the battle of the tempo between these two teams per Ken Palm right now, as we're having this conversation, the Zags have the 45th highest tempo in the country. Ken, or excuse me, Kent state 54th. So very, very close Gonzaga. That is very low for the Zags. They are typically in the top five. They are typically in the top two, for tempo it just hasn't been the situation this year uh, it's in partly because of matchups and partly just because they have been really focused on crashing the the defensive glass and sending three or four guys to crash the glass as opposed to sending only two guys like last year was very easy to go tempo because you just kind of assumed that Chet Holmgren would gobble up the vast majority of rebounds he was capable of bringing the ball up himself he's also capable of making really good really quick entry or uh, outlet passes to get out into transition. The Zags don't have that this year, so they've been crashing the glass with Julian Strother. They've been sending Anton Watts into the defensive glass. It just creates a situation where you don't have as many guys trying to get out in transition, so they just haven't been getting out in transition. Having said all of that, they're still a top 50 team in the country in transition, so it's not like they have completely abandoned it. They're not St. Mary's. They're not Virginia. They just haven't quite done that as much against a team that doesn't have as much size and against a team that also attempts to get out and run a lot. I think this could be a game that's back and forth. It could be like we're watching a tennis match, just looking left, looking right, and kind of watching these two teams get out and go for it. That is an advantage Gonzaga. In my mind, they have more depth Uh, They have more abilities to score easily out in transition. I think that they're a better rebounding team. So if they are sending out more guys to try to get out in transition, they're still going to be able to win that battle on the glass. Certainly if that ends up not being the case and early in the game, they're getting out rebounded. They're giving away second chance points. Ideally they'll move away from it and focus more on crashing the glass and less on getting out in transition. But considering the struggles they have had running the half court offense, finding their identity there, the best way to avoid, Struggling in the half-court offense, don't run it. Don't run a half-court offense. Best way to do that, get the rebound and go, 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 go. Hopefully, we'll see some more of that in this game against Kent State. And finally, we need some dang consistency from our secondary scorers. You, You could argue that we need some consistency from Drew Timmy, but by and large, Drew is fairly consistent, the Baylor game notwithstanding. He has had a couple other struggles this season. He has not been the player that we've seen from him in the past, and he is adjusting to... Not necessarily a new role for him. Certainly more pressure on him and less talent around him in the front court because he does not have a Chet Holmgren, which is you know not not a, not a really a replaceable player necessarily. But we, Julian Strother has not been consistent this year. When he is good, he is fantastic he was very very good against Xavier there's a chance they don't win that game without Julian Sstrother they should have won that game by 12 or 15 points they let they, excuse me they let the musketeers get back into that game only ended up winning it by four and mostly because Julian had two huge threes in the final two minutes of that game to give them a victory but he went 3 of 14 against Baylor Rasir Bolton, eight points and six turnovers. That is really out of character for him, but we have seen a couple of of out-of-character performances from him this season. He has not been as consistent as he was last year. He was kind of the fourth option last year. Now he's a bit higher on the depth chart. He's more of the third option, and we just haven't seen him rise to that occasion as often as he needs to. Malachi Smith had a fantastic game. Can he be a player who becomes more of a primary option offensively? If Strother and Bolden aren't going to be consistent, they may need somebody to step into that role. I don't think it's going to be Nolan Hickman from a scoring perspective. Certainly the zero points against Baylor kind of points to that. But again, he had eight assists. If he's going to facilitate the offense, Gonzaga needs other people to score. Drew Timmy should be, should be taking 15, 20 shots a game, not six, like he did against Baylor. But they still need other players to step up consistently one game doesn't tell you consistency. Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton both might have fantastic games against Kent State. That doesn't mean that they're going to be consistent. That doesn't mean they're going to be great against Washington or Alabama the week after that, or even as we get into conference play, we may still see some struggles from them. But a nice game from both those guys against Kent State, a rebound after a pretty ugly game against Baylor would be a nice thing to see to give us a little bit more confidence about what these guys are capable of doing on a night in and night out basis as the Zags kind of get through the heavy part of their schedule. They're on, they still got Alabama. They still got UW. Uh, and then we get into conference play. Of course, not every game there is going to be uh, easy. They got St. Mary's a couple times. Of course, San Francisco has been good. Portland has looked like a very good team as well. But the murderous stretch of games that they had early in the season is over. They have gotten through it. Once they play Bama, they're kind of through that really rigorous part of the schedule. And hopefully we'll start to see some guys settle in, find their roles, be more consistent going forward this season. Well, that is going to do it for me today. Plenty of reaction to the Kent State game coming on Tuesday's show. Also, check out the new podcast, Locked on College Basketball, a national show all about college hoops with myself and co-host Isaac Shade of Locked on Tar Heels. It is available wherever you get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube, so go hit that. Big red subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, thank you again to all of you who made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.